This is the Impunities of a Podcast. Fergus Hodgson, your host. I am managing editor of the Impunity Observer, and I have my colleague, our editor at large, Steve Hecht, with us. So we are a geopolitical publication focused on aligning Latin America and Anglo America, the nexus between the two, with a particular interest in the rule of law. And these live streams with Steve are an opportunity for us to go over his work each month or every couple of weeks just to chat about them, make the content more palatable for a broader audience. And Steve, he's always productive. I'm, I'm super proud of our team. Steve is our leader and we have great a great team. We've got Mauro Echeverria, Sebastian and uh, Paz Gomez. So we have a yeah, great team and Steve's latest couple of articles He's got, he's got three up with BizPack Review. That's the best place to go to get the his English language articles published right away. And we always put these out over Twitter, Telegram, whatever platform you want to be on. So, Steve, you've been focused a lot on, I guess, this Trump raid and then how it relates to what's going on in Guatemala. Now, there's a Zamora case. So, do you want to, let's just, because I think this article does, let's say, give the context your main one had the headline, Trump Raid is part of plan for dictatorship. Now, let's clarify this. A lot of people will say that's hyperbole, that's ridiculous, but you really believe that. Let's 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 clarify. What do you mean by plan for dictatorship? Do Democrats really want another Venezuela or Cuba? I think that most Democrats have no idea that that's where their policies will lead. I think the people managing Joe Biden know exactly that that's where the policies will lead. And you have to differentiate between the people that follow it and the people that manage it. So the followers believe the lies. They lie to themselves and they repeat the lies that they've been told. And they're kind of pre-programmed to believe it. That's what demonization is all about. Demonization polarizes. In other words, the, the end result, the end goal, well, the end goal is power. But to achieve that power, the uh, totalitarian first needs to polarize people. And they do that by demonizing the opposition. If you notice that uh, Biden, the uh, who occupies the White House uh, as president of the United States, Biden just recently talked about how awful the MAGA crowd is. That's make America great again. That's what MAGA stands for. And as far as he's concerned, everybody who supports that is a terrorist, a white supremacist, an evil person. And the reason that they do that, and they've done this throughout history in different countries, is that they want the people that follow them to be agitated, angry, and fearful of the other. They always need a demon on the other side. So they use Trump, but it's not about Trump. They demonize Trump, but it's really about his people, as Biden said. You have to demonize the entire uh, sector of the population who supports the policies that are a threat to you. So if you're a collectivist, like the people who manage Biden, then the worst thing for you is individualism. And that means the Constitution of the United States, the Declaration of Independence. These are all based on individual rights, creator granted, unalienable rights, that can only be abridged through due process of law. This is an absolute obstacle to the collectivism of identity politics, where people are judged not on the personal qualities that they have or don't have, or characteristic, whatever, they're judged 
on what group do you belong to. That is racist. It promotes division. It promotes hate and eventually violence. And that's precisely what the people who manage Biden are trying to do. And that's why they demonize Trump and his supporters. Okay. In, let me just, just I, I encourage people to go to BizPack Review and read the full article, Trump Raid is part of Plan for Dictatorship, where Steve obviously gives much more detail. And I must admit that, like Steve says, it's not as though people who support Joe Biden or the Democratic Party all understand where this is leading. But those in power are so intensely eager to, let's say, retain their positions that they will go to whatever lengths basically to do that. And that's why we see, this is not new, of course, but we do see the FBI and other federal agencies being politicized and used against who, whoever is not in power at that time, which really does signal to me that you are in more of a dictatorship-like regime when those who are not on board are targeted for prosecution or persecution. And one thing interesting about that, that the Trump rate is the way that with time, I think everyone now is realizing that the executive branch knew exactly what was going on and any kind of distancing was just a, a shallow or dishonest distancing. Do you want to clarify your view on that, Steve? When yeah, you well, that- if you, in the article, I say, I say, I explain how it's ridiculous. It's absurd to believe that the White House didn't know. I don't say Biden because he doesn't know anything. But how the White House didn't know about. Of course they knew about it. And that's what I say in the article. There's no question because this is part of the polarization. Look, the people who run the FBI, the people who the raid is unprecedented. It was unnecessary. We can go through all kinds of details and analysis, but it's pure politics. Now, because of demonization, the people who hate Trump, who are emotionally involved and cannot see facts. Because that's the purpose of demonization and polarization. It keeps people in line. Oh, my God. I, we can't have these people in power. If these people come to power, we're all going to be slaves. We're all going to be in chains, whatever, whatever bad thing you can think of. If Trump and his people come to power, that's the end of the world. So therefore, the people who follow the Biden regime will give a pass to anything that the regime does. They will accept anything as being necessary to keep the bad ones out of power. Now, what that means is (laughs) that you're stuck either way. If it were true what the Biden managers want everybody to think, we'd be caught between two dictatorships. Now, that's simply not true. The dictatorship is on the Biden side, period. And you can see that by their abuse of power, how they use the FBI. On the other side, and this is the point of the article. We have to recognize this totalitarian assault, but we have to beat them within the rules. They want Trump or whoever comes in to do to them exactly what they're doing to everyone else. They want Trump to come in and misuse the FBI. That way, you have to choose between two dictatorships. It's the way that they keep their hopes alive. The worst thing that can happen to them is their opponents come into power and they manage to somehow restore the culture and the constitution and respect for law. Because the truth of the matter is you can see a guy on TV like Alan Dershowitz. Okay, The guy voted for Clinton. He voted for Biden. He said so. And yet he defends Trump. Why? Not because of Trump. Not because he likes Trump. 
he defends Trump because if he doesn't defend the rule of law, then everything is lost. And that's the whole point. What the Biden people are trying to do is completely destroy the rule of law. And on the other side, we have to reestablish the rule of law. It's not the opposite. Okay, the, 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 to them, what they want is that that the Republicans should take over and they should be as disrespectful for the rule of law as the Biden regime is. That's what they want. If we do that, we lost the country no matter what. It does no good to have Republicans take over and then abuse power the same way that the Democrats abuse power. That means the country is lost. So we need to save it. And that's really the point of the article. Right. And this, the point you made there leads on to the next one that I wanted to go over. Why Democrats fear DeSantis more than Trump? You referred to it briefly there the way that the, the regime, let's say, the permanent bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., which wants to continue expanding itself or having mission creep, they really want to keep us distracted by polarization. Right. And so... Do you want to clarify then? Now, oh, let me actually let me read a comment from your article because I think it's important to 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 make clear that you're not trying to take a position on for for or against one of these two politicians. Correct. But yeah, so the potential I'm going to re, I'm reading from Steve's article here. The potential candidacies of Trump and DeSantis, although they merit support, are not the key to defending America. It is the policies they stand for which put constituents ahead of the globalist leviathan that occupies Washington, D.C. Now, do you know, yeah, so let's, let's address that simple question. Why do Democrats or the Biden administration fear Trump less than Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida? Because they demonized Trump. From 2015 right up to as we're speaking, they have demonized Trump. There are people who are so emotionally involved in hating Trump. And this and they think it's rational. They think that they're rational. They think that this comes from a dispassionate observation of what Trump has done. No. In no way, shape, or form is that true. I know several of them, and believe me, they have been psychologically manipulated. And if any of them are listening right now, they're probably very upset at me, and I don't care, because that's a fact. That is the model that totalitarians use to take power. And we have to recognize it. And the people who are subject to it and can't see through all the smoke that's surrounding them, well, we just have to defeat them. It's that simple. We don't hate them. We understand them, at least for those of us who do. They want us to hate them. The manipulators want us to hate those people. That's a big mistake. When you hate your enemy, that's a big mistake. It's much better to understand your enemy than to hate your enemy. Because in the end, what we want is rule of law. We want the law impartially applied. And that can't happen in an atmosphere of hate. This is the problem. So the Biden people want Trump to run because they have invested so much in demonizing him. Now, I wrote this piece because I see so many uh, commentators in TV and other places writing that say, ah, the Democrats are trying to keep Trump off the ballot. No, no way. No way. They don't fear Trump. It's not personal with Trump. Like the Godfather says, it's not personal, it's business. And for them, it's all about business because the oligarchs want to keep their money from China. The Democrats just simply are 
totalitarians and want to keep their power. And the bureaucrats know that, especially now with this FBI raid, that Trump is coming for them. They knew it before. That's why the bureaucrats aligned with the Democrats to keep Trump out of power. Then when the oligarchs saw Trump's policies, because the Republican Democrat policies towards China from Clinton to Bush to Obama were essentially identical. Along comes Trump. Uh -uh, We're going to put tariffs on them. We're not going to let them take advantage of us. We want reciprocal trade deals. And the big guys say, "Uh uh-huh, that means less money for us. So they put all their money. Why do you think all the money's on the left and rightists, people on the so-called right are struggling for money? You look at congressional candidates, much easier for Democrats. Democrats have much more money. Hillary Clinton outspent Trump two to one, more than two to one in 2016. I don't know the statistics for 2020, but I bet you it's pretty it's pretty close. All the money's on the other side because they are fooling the public. The Democrats are Orwellian. Whatever they say, it's the opposite. That simple. If they say these are dictators, that means they're for rule of law. If they say these are good people, it means they're for totalitarians. That's that's just the way Democrats work. And by the way, there are plenty of Republicans that go right along with those Democrats and they facilitate exactly that. This is not about Republicans versus Democrats. This is about liberty versus tyranny. And you could be a Democrat like Tulsi Gabbard and be on the side of liberty. And you could be a Republican like Mitt Romney, uh, like uh, 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 Liz Cheney, Adam Kinziger, and you're on the side of tyranny. Now, they probably they might not know it. I'm not sure why they are. One thing is they have in common, they hate Trump. But Trump's not the issue. The United States of America is the issue. The rule of law is the issue. Individual creator-granted rights that can only be abridged through due process of law, that's the issue. The only way for us to be prosperous is to get back to our original roots. Right now, they're destroying. If you look at everything the Biden regime is doing, It is destroying, purposely destroying the country. Every single domestic policy, every single international policy, the United States loses. That's not a coincidence. That is purposeful destruction as a way to transform the United States from a constitutional republic into a dictatorship. And it's the only way that they can keep power. Now, what they hope by doing this demonization of Trump, that he will be the candidate that it won't be DeSantis, and they hope that they'll be able to beat Trump. They think that their best chance of winning the 2024 presidential election is if Trump runs. I don't agree. I think Trump's going to win anyway. But, and as you said, my point is not to take sides between Trump and DeSantis. I'm just analyzing that there's no way that the Democrats want Trump to sit aside, because if he does, they have a much harder time because they haven't demonized DeSantis to the same extent they've demonized Trump. They've done it, but not nearly the same as Trump. So there are all kinds of, of Republicans that won't vote for Trump that will vote for DeSantis. And there are some Democrats and certainly independents that won't vote for Trump, but would vote for DeSantis. So the worst, and of course, all the Trump voters would vote for DeSantis anyway, because what are you going to do? Vote for a Democrat? That's That's suicide. So from an analytical point of view, DeSantis will get more votes as a candidate for president than Trump would get. Now, does that have anything to do with their decisions? 
that's entirely up to them. That's not my issue. Identifying these things, that's the reason I wrote the piece. Right. There's plenty to say there. One point you made, which is clear, is that Trump's enemies have had six years, as you say, to demonize him, to tear him apart. Not only that, but the social media platforms, almost all of them have censored Trump or knocked him off. So they'd have to go through that whole process again with DeSantis. So Correct. And it's seven years, by the way, because when he came down that escalator in 2015, that's when they started. Right. Yeah. So it is actually, you're right. We're coming to the end of end of uh, 2022. Yeah. So seven years, seven long years. It's just been incessant. So the other bit about donations or funding, many people have the false notion that people who advocate for freedom somehow have more, let's say, business interests backing them. This is simply not true. The people who donate, typically the big money, are crony capitalists, right? People with with vested interests, and they prefer establishment politicians, rhinos, and I hate to say it, but big government Democrats. And so the the people who really support freedom on the side of the, the constituents are not the ones getting the big donations. Correct. So you had a third article in BizPack Review this month, and that was about the Zamora case in Guatemala and how this, let's say, manipulation from the State Department and progressive media, legacy media, has shown itself in Guatemala with the Zamora case. Do we have any updates on what's going on there? No, not really. Uh, that that thing is in the process. And the article, the overall context for the article is that now that the FBI is big in the news, there are a lot of people that didn't understand before that now understand how corrupt the FBI is, how politicized justice is. And I hope they come to understand, and I'll write some more about this, that a democratic republic cannot survive that you've got to get back to equal justice it's impossible but you aspire to it and the united states has had it in in the past and and i hope that it can recover it but right now the democrats uh well the people who manage biden uh have have taken that away and 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 are in the process of destroying it we have to recover it. But the federal bureaucracy is a big part of that because bureaucrats like more power, higher wages, they feel that they are above the law. They are not subject to the executive branch. Now, that's not according to the Constitution. They don't believe that they should be subject to the executive branch. Now, one of the big examples of this is the State Department. The State Department is run by career bureaucrats. You know, it's the guy Blinken, Secretary of State. I would bet you, I don't really know, there's no way for me to know, but I would bet you that he has very little idea of the unbelievable, and I say unbelievable because I didn't believe it, but now I know it's there, so uh, unbelievable is not the right word, astounding, disgusting criminality that's at play in the State Department on the career level. That in terms of Guatemala policy, they have so much time that that even State Department personnel have committed crimes. Now, the people that they support have committed crimes, and they're out in the open attacking the government for... (laughs) 
and they shouldn't because the criminal prosecution is autonomous in Guatemala and the judiciary is also. So they're they're claiming that the Guatemalan government is is persecuting anti-corruption fighters. Those are the State Department's people. But if you look at what they've done, it's so obvious. The criminality is so obvious that the State Department is really exposed that to show that criminality and compare it with what the State Department says and does, it makes them look awful. Now, they had to, the State Department had to prevent Consuelo Porras, the the prosecutor general in Guatemala, from being reappointed. And they went overboard and they ran afoul of Congress. And a number of senators and representatives from the House wrote letters to Blinken, asked questions of State Department people, Blinken and his second in, in, in congressional hearings, and even a document. There's a document uh, circulating, purportedly a State Department document, that shows has it's a blueprint of how to keep Porras from becoming reappointed which is a blatant interference in Guatemala's internal affairs. And uh, Representative Chris Smith asked Blinken in a hearing about that document, and he said, this is going around social media as a State Department document. Can you authenticate for us this document? Now, I haven't heard that he has, but I don't think the State Department has answered even one of those congressional inquiries. They can't, because if they lie, they have a problem. And if they tell the truth, they have a problem. So what they do is say nothing. So the State Department had a very low profile since uh, the middle of May when the president, President Jamate, reappointed Consuelo Porras as prosecutor general. And since then, they've laid low. But Zamora, the Zamora case, has has come and, and, and bitten them. Now, the State Department didn't do what it usually does. Only one person, Brian Nichols, Assistant Secretary of State for uh, Western Hemisphere Affairs Bureau, he came out and expressed concern about press freedom. Now, that's misdirection. And what he was doing was setting up the talking points for states' partners, their NGOs, their far-left NGOs, and their compliant media. And they took the ball. They started to attack uh, the Zamora prosecution as an attack on press freedom. Well, a congressman came along and filed a suit, and he said that he had filed it four years ago and that C.C. Sig uh, buried it because Zamora was a shill for the C.C. And this congressman in his suit, he claims that Juan Francisco Sandoval the State Department golden boy, the prosecutor that was fired uh, in July of last year that provoked uh, a, a huge reaction from State Department, uh, multiple officials from USAID, the administrator, the assistant administrator, and various assistant secretaries of state and other people, uh, spokesmen, uh, the secretary himself, they all attacked uh, Porras. They all attacked Jamate for reappointing Porras. And then silence, no more. So now here comes Zamora. And here's a congressman saying that Zamora was part of the criminal infrastructure, along with the CSIG and the U.S. Embassy, and that this criminal infrastructure is is at risk. I mean, they know this. The State Department knows this. And so if the Zamora case goes forward 
and more things come out. And if Zamora himself decides to just all of a sudden tell the truth, then the State Department is going to be further exposed for what it is. But there's really not much they can do about it now. They have to let their media and NGO partners carry the weight, and they have been carrying the weight. And and, and it's a time bomb for for the State Department. And it's pretty clear that the State Department is concerned what happens if Republicans gain control of Congress and they actually have real hearings. Of course, the State Department will stonewall and they'll try to trade off. They'll say, hey, I'll give you this thing. You want you want this ton of gold over here? Distribute it among yourselves and uh, leave us alone on, on the Guatemala thing. And, and so what, what we need in the United States, get the uh, federal bureaucracy to do what it should be doing, is we need attention. And the State Department's trying to <laughs> do everything they can to avoid that attention. Right. Folks, we've raced through the half hour with Steve. And as he said, this Zamora case is really, it portends a very revealing or difficult time for U.S. State Department officials who have been acting, let's say, criminally or at least in bad faith in Guatemala. So please do follow us at impunityobserver.com. And for unlimited content, go to impunityobserver.com forward slash subscribe. We have great deals there. It's very affordable. And you will not, you simply will not get content like the Impunity Observer, especially with, with Steve's expertise and knowledge of what's going on in Guatemala. We're unmatched and I'm proud to, I have no uh, resistance in saying that, that we have there's no outlet covering the content we're covering the topics we're covering. So yes, go to impunityobserver.com forward slash subscribe. Otherwise, follow us on all the channels: Twitter, Telegram. I lose track. We're on we're on a whole bunch. And of course, please do subscribe on this YouTube channel. Steve, thanks for chatting this morning. Have a great uh, trip back in Florida, and I look forward to reconnecting soon. Okay, thanks very much, Fergus. Great job. We'll be in touch.